The Youthscape Podcast. Tell us when we're recording. We're recording. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Youthscape Podcast with me, Martin Saunders. And with me, Rachel Gardner. And it's one of those ones where we've got a special guest right from the start. Hello. Yeah. Oh, oh, and he's named himself. He hasn't Brilliant. named himself, which is a low. And actually what we've learned, James Fawcett, the lovely guest, is over the two years of doing this, we've learned that we used to start by having the guests sat there, but not or like, on pain of death, they weren't allowed to say anything. And they had to sit there silently. And now we realise that's pretty awkward. So James... Hello, I've broken who are, that. Who are, who, yeah, yeah, who, who are you? Who are you? Yeah, who are you? Who are you? I am James Fawcett. I am a, uh, a husband. I am a dad of two daughters. Um, and I am 37, nearly 38. I'm loving this. He's yeah. um, It's like he's what been captured. What chest do you have? Like, well, that's a good question. Words. I think, well, it's changed recently. There's been some weight loss. Has it? Yeah, it has, yeah. Um, so I think it's like 42, 40, something like that. Right? I would yeah. so not get away with asking a female member of the guest that either. Like, no, none n- of the very, the me, very next that. interview that we do with a woman, <laughs> not I'm going to say, what size is your chest? <laughs> edit, edit, edit. Just for equality. <laughs> Just for equity's sake. And you recently had a significant haircut. There has been a significant haircut. I had long hair for 18 years. And um, since I started my first youth work job, actually. In 2000, wow. and I decided to cut it off this year. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's first of all, many people won't know what you look like in the first place. It's a podcast. Second of all, it's a podcast. Yeah. But it is amazing how much a haircut can, can change the way a man looks. And, and it's uh, one of those where it is kind of like the guy that has long hair and it's gorgeous hair. Yeah. So I remember growing up and a few of my friends when I was a teenager, the guys had the most amazing hair and I'd be like, that's just insanely unfair. Mm. Like gorgeous, like I, flowing locks. And I get that, yeah. I did thought, did you use a lot of product? No products. No. Just sort of very little products. Just like get up, shower, put a little bit like some sort of spray in it and then walk out the door. Wow. Yeah. Just, I just wash my hair and go. Literally. Did you take two bottles into the shower? Just <laughs> There was two. There was two. Now, what's very exciting is that James has arrived here on the train, but also with a little bike that mm. like folds down to basically the size of a little credit card. It's a transformer. <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> so, and it does literally like close right down. What's the furthest you can go on that bike? Can you go quite long distances? You can do. I mean, you can go, yeah. They go to like France in the oh. summer. That's a whole like Brompton, London to France thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. no, it's great. I am... Um, it's a bit like when I got a smartphone, I was saying to Martin earlier, like, I didn't know how I could survive without a smartphone. Mm. And I was like, how did I do this without yeah. a smartphone? And now I've got a Brompton, like, how do I that do life amazing. without a Brompton? When you ask the question, Rachel, yeah. how far can you go on a bike? Yeah. You do know that bikes are pedal powered. Yes. <laughs> not, there's not like a little canister of yeah, petrol. Start. It's one of those kids' toys that you press down the bottom yeah. and they like fade. No, I just meant kind of like, how substantial is it? Very. Is it literally? Because I, because, okay, so again, I'm sorry, boring stuff. I've got a little person in my life. So I've recently bought a £15 buggy from Argos, other places are available, so that I can carry this little toddler and the, and the buggy around the tube stations of London because there are no lifts anywhere. So I've got the cheapest, nastiest little buggy and you can't go any distance in that. So I was just wondering if that equates to the whole no. bike thing. Actually, it's quite uncomfortable. It's environmentally friendly, but you can't really go very far. No, that's not. No, you, you can. can. You can. You definitely can. Oh, that's amazing. And it's very comfortable. No excuse then for us. I, to we, so we talked about hair and bikes. I should just also point out that um, 
that right now the podcast sounds a little bit like the <laughs> music video to Girls on Film by Duran Duran <laughs> because we've got the wonderful Justin here who is, uh, is, has oh, joined yeah, us to take photographs I've forgotten about and that. you will be able to hear that it sounds a little bit like a hamster trying Girls to escape. On film. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. There it is, there it is. We have you just shot. did that on, on cue, on Justin. Cue. That was brilliant. He doesn't speak. He speaks only in those little clicks. He's like, uh, <laughs> awesome. he's like something from a sci-fi so we know, film. We know some, I, I love it that you start by saying you're a husband and a dad. Good on you. That is awesome. People might also know about you because you run these fantastic gatherings mm. um, called Concrete and mm-hmm. also now have the Concrete podcast. Mm-hmm. Tell us in a nutshell, what is... Because it's kind of evolved a bit, hasn't it? It has evolved, yeah. Tell us about Concrete. So, um, Concrete is all about connecting, thinking, amplifying. So, and we do that through think tanks. We gather people in um, themed conversations, think tanks, where they connect together, they think together, and then they amplify their thinking. So, it kind of started out six years ago, and myself and a friend um, set up Concrete, and we thought that we've done youth work for a number of years, we've got loads of experience between us, and uh, particularly in the inner city, and that is really what we're passionate about, and that's the link with concrete. Um, but also concrete in Latin means to grow together. So that's kind of interesting in what oh, we're trying yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, concretes. Um, and so we thought we'd have a load of stuff to say, and people should come and hear what we've got to say. And basically no one came. All right. <laughs> Pe- that's very honest. People, <laughs> did come but the same people came or people like us came and so we were like this is not really like working and so we flipped it and kind of on the premise that we're all learning and we expect young people to learn we expect Mm, the young people we're working with to learn what are we doing about learning ourselves and learning from each other so gathered some people together um, and decided to start a conversation and start a think tank around the spiritual and emotional well-being of the youth worker which was a phrase that came out of the youthscape survey um and it was really good um and kind of the vulnerability um element that uh each person would show kind of grew the kind of conversation and the work and and as we shared more vulnerably about where we were going wrong or what was happening in our practice with young people we could learn from that and we could share that learning and so that's basically what happens so these think tanks gather um around different themes you can go on the website concreteonline.org plug yeah um and each think tank is um there and you can contact me and you can see also like the conversations that happen mm. and are happening and how they're progressing and so the podcast has come out of some oh, of that okay. stuff but there's a whole range of stuff that they do whether it be seminars or um, blog posts or films or whatever um, and and, that, and that's what happens. You said something quite interesting there James uh-huh. right at the start about um, how so, you know not just that people weren't coming and, and connecting but the, those that were were people like you said people like us mm. and I wonder whether that's something that we we sometimes allow ourselves to define success when we've gathered a group who look and, and, totally. and smell like us and we go well look we've, we've managed to gather the network it's fine and we just somehow we just forget about all the other people absolutely one of my heroes is Gregory Boyle who started um, Homeboy Industries in LA uh, and his book Tattoos on the Heart, he says success, um, you, you get success by the success that you want by f- 
going after the people that give you that success, basically. Mm. So in terms of work with young people, if you're looking for a particular type of success, um, then you'll just look at those young people that give you that kind of success rather than going for young people more yeah. broadly. And I'm, and that is true. Yeah, yeah. And it takes a real vulnerability. And the vulnerability thing, I think, is really key mm. um, in, that, in that whole process. And I've been reflecting a lot recently on the... On Exodus and the like story of how the, the Israelites left Egypt to go into the desert and the fact that they were like just massively unhappy to go out there and they were like take us back we want cucumbers like we're not down with the quail, the, the quail and the manna like and the question that keeps coming back to me is like, why is that freedom so hard? Why is freedom so hard in the unknown of the desert, in the unknown places? And I think for me, like that's some of the like DNA and the heart of concrete. How can we like push people into, or how can we help people in the like desert places mm. to sit with the unknown, sit with the vulnerability, get out of the like freedom of the known, get out of the freedom of the like, and when I've done that in my own practice with young people in my own life, that's where I found mm. the promised land. Mm. So or you took, I thought I really picked up on the vulnerability <clears throat> bit and, and was really interested thinking that, that people came with a real appetite for vulnerability, but they've also come to an event that actually really engages them in some really key thinking mm. around key issues of mental health sexual ethics, mm. criminal activity, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting link, isn't it? That you have these, these spaces that are really trying to, to dig deep into some of the complex issues of being mm. a youth leader in this day and age mm. and twinned with the vulnerability. So my question to you is, do you think any of us know anything anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I mean, I think we know about ourselves, right? So we know what and how we react. And I think like that's part of, that should be or could be part of our practice with young people and how we learn about our faith and we learn about our weaknesses and we learn about our strengths and we are able to share that with young people, whether that be like mm-hmm. our fears and desires or whatever it might be that we can do that and there some of that vulnerability is so like key um and i think it goes like you know brene brown is another like hero of mine and um she you always talk about innovation and and creativity and vulnerability just being totally hand in hand and Mm. um i feel like we need to give spaces for you for Christians who work with young people. So I don't even talk about youth workers anymore or youth ministers, Christians who work with young people to, to like, um, to be vulnerable and to, mm. to get into those spaces where they can start learning about themselves in order to think about their practice better and what they're doing and how they're interacting with young people. So they're more aware of who they are and what they bring to their work with young people. Mm. Does that answer your question? I feel like I've got totally, my No, totally, that, that absolutely does. <coughs> There's a bit of research that Barna produced, um, well, this week, I know not everyone's listening to this in real time, um, but looking at um, millennials' attitudes to faith, how mm-hmm. they engage in sharing faith with others. I'm sure probably you've seen it as well, and many people have seen it. And an interesting sort of headline from it is about 50% of 
millennials surveyed in the state, Christians in the states who were surveyed, said that they feel confident to share their faith, they feel they've kind of got a robust understanding of the tenets of faith, but feel that actually sharing that evangelism, which is the word that they were given, mm. which is quite an explosive word, isn't it? Mm. Evangelism is something they feel keenly is not what they want to do at all. In your discussions with Concrete, and just have you explored faith development and has that been something that you've recognised in the UK setting as well that actually evangelism as a word as a concept as an idea is something that this next generation are really struggling with and those of us that try to hold on to that still mm. are going to have a huge battle on their hands or misunderstand has that been something you've been wrestling with yeah that um yes and no so yes that has been a conversation that has been sort of floated around um and I haven't done anything about it so potentially need to do something about it sure. um and there are people who are much better at talking about this than I am. Um, people like Jimmy Dale, who um, national evangelism officer, um, and a whole load of bunch of evangelism evangelists. If you like, again, the term is like loaded, so I'm being careful. On it is, term. and I wonder if in America as well, it's sort of conflated with evangelical mm. a little bit, and people just feel so uncomfortable at the moment about being defined in those terms. But, but yeah, I feel like also going back to the evangelism, some of my reflections on that stuff is about goes back to the vulnerability stuff for me. And they're like, I feel like if you take the narrative of resurrection um, and Good Friday, Easter Saturday, and Easter Sunday as a whole, two thirds of that is pretty dark, pretty <laughs> unknown, mm. and pretty painful. And one third is a m glorious hope. And our evangelism, we can get into this place where we just talk about Sunday and like actually a very small part on Sunday um, of the resurrection hope. But actually there's like hope throughout the whole process. Mm. And, and I think part of our sharing of faith with young people and how we do that is again, like going back to understanding that sometimes it's, I was gonna say a naughty word, sometimes mm. it's not very nice. Mm. And like it was, it's difficult and there's unknowns and there's darkness and we don't understand and there's mystery and mm. like sorrow but equally there's like this underlying current of hope and like glimpses of resurrection in the, in the tomb and there's like glimpses of resurrection on the cross that are like exciting that can hold us and keep us and I feel like <laughs> some of that stuff is really exciting and we should be talking with young people who have got kind of mental health and mental illness that like you know these are some of the stuff that you can hold. You don't mm. have to all be happy, yeah, yeah. happy on Sunday. There's like depth and difficulty, which is also can be filled with a deep sense of joy and hope. Mm. And that's a beautiful time. reframing of, of evangelism that, that makes you go, oh, yes, of course, actually, that's that there's sometimes a sense that there's an arbitrary story out there somewhere that I need to shoehorn into a conversation with somebody. That, and culture's already written the scripts about how they're going to feel mm -hmm. about this. So this mm -hmm. feels really. Strange, and I was I was reflecting recently on the story of Mary and Martha, and, and Jesus oh. saying to to Martha, Mary's chosen the better thing, and I'm and, and then watching how Jesus deals with Martha through the Gospels, and there's this lovely sense almost of Jesus saying, I just I just want to do something in your life now, so here's an invitation for you to let me do something or not, and mm. and Mary's chosen that, and Martha, are you up for that? And we're not told what happens next, are we? We have no before and no after. Mm. And I sort of think with evangelism, we had this idea that somehow there's a story in the past of God doing something amazing in my life that I've got to talk about whereas maybe what you're opening up is actually what's what is God doing right now mm. and it might be in a very bleak place mm. and it might not have a nice shiny end but actually the story that's the most compelling right now in culture 
It's what God's doing in you right now, mm. even if that mm. feels messy and uncertain. And that's right. And I think like that's the thing with the spiritual conversations. And it's been like an age-old like youth work thing, isn't it? Like, is it more valuable to have ten minutes on the table tennis table <laughs> where you like are intently yes. listening to a young person yeah. who never gets listened to? Um, at home for various situations or you do your 10 minute God slot mm. like which is which is mm. better mm. in quotation marks and 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 I you know and I feel like we have to hold these spaces for young people that we can talk and and sometimes it's not about talking sometimes it is just about listening and listening intently and listening carefully mm. uh, and praying in that time as well that the spirit would work in you and would work in that young person and hold them in that time as a like as they as they go through what they go through and that, and if something like that you maybe you can say or maybe that God says through you that can mm. help them in that place is is really important and and seeing like evangelism if that's what we call it as as a more like holistic thing mm. that mm. is just part of our everyday narratives as we go through life whether yeah you know yeah. whether we are like running to Jesus um, Mary and Martha stuff you know whether we're seeing listening mm. to what he's going to say whatever you know mm. in the, just in mm. the daily or grieving or mourning or raging mm. Mm. I wonder also if uh, we've we've slightly reduced the gospel that we're presenting uh, to young people and to adults mm. and and particularly in the last 50 years or so I wonder whether there's been a little shift in culture and maybe there's, there's now hopefully a shift back. But therefore, um, uh, the people responding to this survey actually don't want evangelism because they don't want to present the very limited version of Christianity that they think evangelism represents. Mm. And um, so I've been doing with my young people a um, well-known youth evangelism course. <laughs> and one of the interesting things about doing it has been to see when the lights have gone on for young people. Mm. And what they really didn't respond to, um, maybe it's because they were in a very entitled, kind of privileged place, but um, one of the things they really didn't respond to was all the propositional truth and all the um, stuff about your sin and your personal shame and guilt and Jesus coming to liberate you from the things you've done wrong. As if Jesus is really most concerned about the fact that you cheated in your maths test or you stole a pound out of your your mum's wallet or, or whatever. Um, where they've really come alive is in some of the stuff we've done maybe after that bit has been completed. Uh, and we've talked to, uh, with the groups about the fact that, that Jesus also comes to, to save like the whole world and communities and mm. systems. And he's interested in, in bringing you know, one system, a liberating system mm. that's going to ultimately overtake and overthrow the broken world that they find themselves in. They don't necessarily identify with, and this might be very personal in America, uh, they don't identify with the fact that they, you know, might have gone and got drunk and that that, that therefore makes them filthy and mm. in need of salvation and Jesus mm. to die 2,000 years ago to make it possible for them to know God. But they do identify with the mm. fact that uh, Trump and what he represents is not good and there are people who are oppressed as a result mm. and the idea that Jesus and the Christian gospel might have something to say into that which liberates and ultimately turns the tables on the Trump administration and what it represents mm. that's exciting and that's where they come alive mm. and I would not be ashamed to share that message and I think a lot of the people that 
um, you know, respond to that survey probably mm. would be less ashamed of that kind of mm. evangelism. So maybe we just it's just too narrow. That's a, I mean, I think that's absolutely fascinating. I think probably there's echoes of that, probably everyone listening saying, yes, actually we, we resonate with that too. There's a kind of a traditional way of seeing evangelism, which is that young people are essentially egocentric, so what's what matters to me? Does this move me? How does this affect me? Mm. Then they become mm. ethnocentric, it's about my community, and then they become world-centric, which is about the justice yeah. out there. And yet we're seeing that turn on its tables. We're seeing a generation saying, actually, what moves me first is world-centric. Mm. Where are the big systems? Mm. And if you if you say Jesus has something to say about that, about yeah. the Me Too movement, then I'm interested. But when then does that become actually something that then does pierce my own heart mm. because actually I am because I'm a human being on this planet right whether I want to or not I am I'm also part of an oppressive system I things that yeah. I do oppress others my sin the disease of my selfishness means that I do collude in this stuff so that's a real interesting challenge for us isn't it yeah. what is in fact because we, we want to have those conversations but actually at some point this isn't just about big structures this is also about mm. me and mm. I and I need to be freed from the selfishness of that absorbs, mm. and that's an interesting yeah. question, isn't it? But yeah. it's a different starting point, maybe. I think that um, I've realised in the last eighteen months, in my own um, faith, that um, I feel my faith much more than I rationalise my faith. Hmm. And so, if you want an argument about some, like a well-known. Um, discipleship course, whatever you called it, that doesn't work for me. Like, I, like a rational argument of all the points of these things, kind of like over here. This is how we should do Christian or Christianity or faith. It just doesn't like work for me. And like, but I feel my faith. So I think there's something about how we like say that actually, like, our faith is quite broad, and like you can experience it. And some people like feel their faith. They don't have to have like this big rational argument for like why we should believe in God. But actually, maybe it's something just deeper. Like, does it feel that like Trump is not the right thing? Yeah, it does feel like Trump's not the right thing. I don't really know why. Oh yeah, well maybe like that can be linked to your faith. Or oh, there's a l big long list of arguments why Trump might be bad. And that may be your thing that you can like stack it all up and cross all the T's and dots all the I's and do all that. And so you, I think there's something as well about how we don't just trap faith as a like rational argument and say yeah. it's, this is the only way that you can experience faith but actually it might be something a bit broader and longer and wider that God can hold you in mm. um, in a generous way as opposed to like you've got to have it all sorted out and rational I think some of that stuff is about dropping it down from the head to the heart mm. and, and creating spaces in our own lives and, and in the work that we do among young people that, that allow space to for people to really connect in with what they're what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. So I was at something yesterday, and a bishop, we were doing a big like debate all day about stuff. And at the end, he got us to stand up, and then just said, "If you want to sit your hands out, your hands up too. Just stand and just be quiet." And then he said, "Just connect with who you want to be before God." And it was such a powerful moment, because it, and partly because it caught me sideways. I spent the whole day thinking in my brain, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then suddenly had this moment of actually, who who do I want to be before you? How? Mm -hmm. Yeah, connecting right into that that sense of self and I think those moments are so precious aren't they with mm. young people and to really be jealous for young people to have those moments because mm. culture will mitigate against that constantly will we'll constantly tell you who you need to be or constantly shape facts whereas if we're the ones daring enough to say wait a 
minute, just hold that at bay. Who do you want to be before God? Mm. Who do you, who, who, what is this? Where does this land for you? Deep. That is you deep. Fa- do you know what Rachel just did there? I'm, I'm pleased with that face. <laughs> I don't know what's She's a face. like, I'm pleased with that. I did. I, I was giving, we, we Marta, I did a little hand signal. It's like, who's speaking next? Are you going to jump in, Martin? Like, yeah, it was. Like, it was, I've come into land, but I have, I have nothing I've else. I've got nothing else. I'm done. The faucet has taken it no, all. The good news, James, is that we edit these. Okay. So this well, bit, much. this bit will be no, missing. The producer this won't be there. No, it will be there. I can tell you right now. No, we don't need it. Um, <laughs> James, tell, tell us a little bit. To, it's, it's plug time. Right. So uh, you've already mentioned the website. Mention again. Concreteonline.org, and uh, you have a podcast. We do. I think yeah. This might be our first like podcast crossover episode. Yeah. Um, where characters from both series come together. Come together. Um, so, so what is the Concrete podcast, and, and how do you get it? Yeah. So it's on. Um, it's Concrete Online, and you can you can actually get it through the website, which is probably the easiest way. And I'll point you to whatever way you need to access podcasts. Um, it's kind of. Uh, capturing conversations that have happened in think tanks that people have thought have been really helpful we've been a little bit like some of the technology has been like but we're on it now we get we fixed it um someone else has fixed it not me because it's not my skill set i needed someone else to fix it someone else fixed it um but uh yeah which are like capturing some of the conversations that have happened uh and there's a whole load of kind of stuff that's going to come out we're looking forward to doing a whole like series um on um I, I resisting calling it this, but it's like stories from the coalface. And okay. we're going to go and like do some interviews with just youth workers about why they got into Brilliant. doing youth work Brilliant. and what it what keeps them doing youth work. Um, and and they're just people that are connected through think tanks. So um, it's just capture starting just to capture some of the conversations and some of the vulnerability and some of the mm-hmm. narrative and some of the story that will hopefully help people in their own journeys. And it's a, how regular is it? Once a week, trying to. Once a week? Gosh, what kind of a fool would try that? <laughs> an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> Goodness. So, and uh, and give us a couple of the guests that you've got on there that, that people might... We've had Mark Iaconelli. Um, Mark Iaconelli. He, he did like um, a, a reflection and a session, which is good. Um, who we've got Natalie Collins doing some stuff She's around. She's a great one, Jordan Peterson, didn't she? That's brilliant. And... Um, yeah, there's a couple. And you? Oh, and me. He's on I mean, there. Like, occasionally. The dulcet tones. You can imagine what haircut he has right now. <laughs> and other things. And the mankles. Yeah, what is this mankle the thing? The mankle is basically, it's man ankle. So it's when... Is this a new youth culture word you've invented? No, it's, it's a thing. Mankles. And there was lots of, there's lots of action on Instagram and Twitter around snow time of how many ankles were on show in the snow. And actually, I had a photo of my feet and thought, actually, I, even though it's snowing, I'm still wearing trainers and no socks. Because I'm a bit of a minger. But yeah, so there we go. We have this a lot on here. Rachel Gardner calling I, I herself realize, a No, I realise I wear exactly the same clothing irrespective of the weather. I just put a coat on. And it's I, the same stuff yeah, you were and wearing I just yesterday. Wear, I'm wearing a t-shirt. Literally. And I just wear a thicker coat on top of it. Wow. Well, I'm not, I shouldn't allow to be a mum, really. Because my <laughs> poor kids are still going out in the snow in their shorts. So if you're longing for a more cerebral podcast... Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> no. the, concrete, the Concrete Podcast also is available. Uh, and uh, and so people can people join the think tanks as well? Is yeah, totally. Dive um, into? If, if they want to, uh, if they see something they like, um, or if they don't see something they like and they think they should be there, mm. just drop me a line. Um, you can get, again, best way through the website. And my email's all there and Twitter's on there and all that stuff on there. So people can get... 
And it was in the first instance, pe- people might know Concrete from way back, and the name is a hint to this. Mm. There was a very urban yeah. feel to Concrete, but it doesn't feel like that's the only focus anymore. Yeah, no, I think that, no, I, yes, that's true. Um, I think that the urban stuff is still there because most young people live in the inner city and least youth ministry happens in the inner city. Wow. I, I, I think that's anecdotal. That's quite a big statement. I think that's true. I think there's certainly like anecdotally from my going around the country, I find most of the youth ministries happening around the outskirts in the of suburbs. the city. Yeah. yeah, and most and and but most young people are living which in the city. Which probably twins with the resources. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Resources. Which yeah. is which is problematic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. like that is definitely there, and it is definitely a heartbeat. But what we've also learned is that the principles that we learn in the inner city are the ones that can be applied like globally. Yeah. The works there. It can work in yeah. a lot of other places. Yeah, I, I I feel like we're coming to land, but I want to ask a question now about that because yeah. that's a, I feel like we've just taken the lid off something. Another thing, and rather okay. than just putting the lid back on, so that's interesting what you just said about um, less youth ministry proportionally probably happening. I think that that resonates with me. Uh, Rachel, you're from a more urban like city context. I famously am not. Uh, and uh, it, you know, but we're here, we're recording here in Luton, actually, which is a very urban context. Mm. And uh, I, I, there's a whole bunch of issues. I just wondered, in a nutshell, whether you could unpack why you think that is and what we could do to to stop it. Because obviously, one of the problems we have here in 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 Luton is sometimes young people don't live anywhere near the kind of city centre where um, uh, the, uh, the 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 stuff that we run might take place. Mm. Um, where I do youth ministry in Surrey. Uh, all the young people who come to my groups are within walking yeah. or short driving distance. Yeah. So that's going to be part of it, the issue. Mm. But what, what else is at play there, do you think? Um, I think there's lots of things at play. I think there's things about resources, which we mentioned, like in terms of churches um, and lack of resource in the inner city. I live in Hackney and um, we have moved from Putney to Hackney and there's a, there's a big difference in resourcing mm. um, in terms of church's wow. ability to um, pay for stuff mm. um, and to pay for resources and also then like people's again like people's time and lives are much more pressured there's people who are working greater hours in churches with multiple jobs who are like we don't have then time to volunteer to mm. do youth groups mm. let alone like other issues around fear um terms of potentially you know gang violence or, or like just danger on the street and being sensible around that so like how do we even begin to do that mm. as safely mm. in the inner city um I'm just to throw something else in the mix that we see so we're in North London near Wembley is that we find the young people that come and connect with our projects they, they come from one of seven high schools in a very tight geographical area mm. and they'll go to lots of different church events so we'll have a core group who I don't want to use the word loyal because that sounds pejorative against those who don't do that but will only come to us but the vast majority will go to anything happening and so probably if you added up all the numbers it's quite a significant number but but we're all doubling up on the youth so I, I think well they're in my group and Paul will say well actually they're in my group as well oh, wow. because you have a lot more transiency community because mm. they all come from schools that are next door to them in the, mm. in the village mm. it's one high school one youth group one it's it's i wonder if that does change dynamics quite a bit that there's less to go to so you're more obviously connected mm. in whereas in a very 
very busy dynamic area and young people could be going anywhere and you mm-hmm. just don't know mm-hmm. um, so it's hard maybe to kind of quantify what's happening any uh, you know any sort of thoughts about what what needs to change in terms of urban city based youth work or the resourcing of it this year Philip North he's been quite open about what he thinks which is that he thinks that resources he's, he's talking about um, normally northern um rural ministry actually but like there needs to be in the church of england there needs to be a redistribution of those for the rich areas um that like spread it out better Mm. um and i wonder and that can i think that can that that's an interesting i mean that's it's have a resourcing centers isn't it and yeah um but whether that's something that needs to be done particularly Mm. within church of england i i think like you've got great organizations like xlp who are doing some who are doing stuff in the inner city um but they are like a minority, really, yeah. in mm. comparison to the need, the, yeah. the need and the rest of kind of youth ministry world. And I'd love to see more people doing more innovative, vulnerable, creative mm. stuff. Mm. And some mm. of the best stuff that I've seen in the inner city, people like Hot Chocolate in Dundee, do some great stuff, who are just really creative in the inner city. And um, M83 in Manchester, who would like do amazing street work. Yeah. just like out on the streets we've got politic groups meeting in like bus shelters doing politics and all yeah. that kind of stuff that I think is just super creative and super interesting um, but it's happening not in a church hall or in a mm-hmm. youth club but it's a bit more dynamic and a bit more interesting and often those um, people are so good at doing the work they are not as interested in sharing it yeah, or exactly. don't have time to mm-hmm. share it so that's why you become very important James, yeah. because you're partly uh, the way that that gets amplified yeah. and shared. So thank you for everything you yeah. do. we think you're awesome. Thank you for coming yes. on the Youthscape podcast and Ooh. treading across the line. Um, I've got to do some shout-outs. Yay, come on. Uh, so uh, the shout-outs are for Martha Stringer. Hello. Martha Stringer. Mark Tizard. 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 Oh, we always have somebody whose name oh. we're going gonna... to... Sorry, I'm so Mark. sorry, Mark. You're now the one And there's always one. Event. There's always a shout-out that sounds like a 50s group. Ooh. Uh, so we've got Tamas... And the Hungarians. Yes! So we love oh, you. The I, if I spoke any Hungarian, I would say something in it. You've just said Tomas. Um, so uh, that's it for another Youthscape podcast. Wow. Um, it's been emotional. Yeah, James is going to get his bike. What are you going to get on? I, I Well, I'm just going to sit on this sit. swivel chair. <laughs> I'm on a little swivel chair and I'll just, I might see if I can get all the way to the coffee point. That sounds awesome. Bless you, friends. Thank you so much for connecting in. Thank you for sending us your messages. We love this sense of community. It's really, really fun. Have a great, great week. <laughs>